This is The Shorts, and you're listening to The Dirtbag Diaries. My first solo wasn't planned. I arrived early at Luce and Clark State Park, 20 minutes from my home in Portland to work on a project. But first, I needed a warm-up. I wandered to the base of my first trad lead, a blocky, unappealing 35-foot route named Giant Staircase. I sat on the blocks at the base of the route, the park to myself, sipping my coffee. My mind and body were free from my usual pre-climb jitters. For the three years that I've been climbing, my biggest problem has been my head. At times, I've been so gripped with fear that I had shaken myself off of routes. Soloing this route, climbing it without the rope was preposterous. I slipped down my climbing shoes and launched into the first moves. I moved effortlessly over the smooth basalt, my body acting without instruction from my fickle mind. Topping out, I looked down to the empty parking lot, then passed to the sandy river. I couldn't help but laugh. Though an easy route, it felt magical to me. Throughout my life, I've dealt with the ups and downs of depression. Sometimes it's just a day, and then it's off, as fleeting as the now-forgotten thought which brought it on. But sometimes it stays, hangs over my head, adding an extra layer of clouds to the already overcast sky that caps the Pacific Northwest in winter. In the past, I dealt with this by turning in on myself, closing the door, and turning off the phone until I had plunged into the depths of the darker segments of my brain. I moved to Portland in an attempt to escape some of those darker thoughts, thinking a change of place could cure me. Within four months of living here, I met Amy. It wasn't my intention to find anyone, let alone someone who had kids. But after two rain-soaked lunch dates and a movie, we were an item. Six months later, I sustained an injury on a trip to Yosemite, allowing me to spend more time with Amy and her two sons. Late up, I put my energy into deepening my relationship with them. In January, my lease was up and the rest of my stuff found its way to Amy's apartment. For most of this time, the skies were clear, but after a year, storm clouds started to gather across the hemispheres of my brain. Closing my door and riding out the storm was no longer an option. I started taking medication, something I had been resistant to for years, hoping it would help me stay present, not turn in on myself, or take out my frustrations on the people I had grown to love. Even after a year, I still had moments where I only thought of myself. I hoped this was out of habit and not selfishness. One night, the boys sat at the table eating their dinner. I started making dinner for myself without first asking if anyone wanted anything. Amy suggested that I start thinking of everyone. A half hour later, the kids had gone next door to spend the night. I told Amy I was going climbing leaving without telling her where I'd gone. I ran to a place I knew I would feel safe, to the base of another route, a route I've climbed maybe 40 times. 
It's also the route where I set a top rope for Amy and the boys, giving them their first experiences on real rock. My attempt at combining the two things I love most in this world. One of the few times where my passions didn't conflict. Rightly or wrongly, climbing is one of the few things I feel I'm doing right with my life. I've been more focused and dedicated to climbing than anything else in my previous 29 years. This insignificant thing is the only thing I can keep up at. All attempts to eat better or spend less to straighten out my life I have failed at time and time again. This one thing saves me. I pull on my shoes and start onto the slab. Moving up the route, I am encased in the shell of light from my headlamp. I've climbed here a lot, but in the dark it feels like I'm in a new place. The lichen glows in the LED light, and the route almost feels unfamiliar. But my body knows what to do. For a few moments my mind is still. I'm no longer tormented by the self-destructive thoughts that had followed me from the house. Does she really love me? Am I doing everything I can to provide for them? Reaching the top, I touch the slings of the anchor before starting my descent into the darkness below. Halfway through the descent, these thoughts catch me. I consider letting go. My life insurance will pick up the slack that I am unable to carry. A final act of compassion to save the ones I love from being dragged down with me. With three deep breaths, I let go of these thoughts and continue with the descent. Emotionally exhausted, I stop at the small edge near the base of the route and sit. I turn off my headlamp, rest my head against the wall and cast my eyes toward the night sky. Martha yells as I enter the front door. She asks how the climbing was. Good, I reply. Do you feel like a new man? She asks teasingly. I pause, considering her question. Yes, I reply. She hands me a drink, and Amy kisses me goodbye as they head out to go dancing. I am left alone with the calm that comes from forgiving oneself. Three days later, I lie on the floor of the spare room in our apartment and cry. There is a cold feeling in the center of my chest. My things are slowly finding their way into boxes, not knowing where they'll end up next. I'm only able to work in half-hour intervals before I come across something that reminds me of our life together. A picture of the boys, a note from Amy pressed into a book, the ticket stubs from our trip to Hawaii, or the dog trying to climb into my lap. I'm leaving behind the most important thing in my life. I knew when I came back that night something wasn't right. A rift had grown between Amy and I, something neither of us were willing to talk about. Climbing into the darkness, I confronted what I was feeling and unwilling to talk about with her. I failed by not moving the work I was doing on myself into my relationship with them. By constantly turning in, we were no longer moving through life together. Two months have passed since that day. I spent my holidays alone, the first step in my new life. When I moved to Portland, I didn't expect to find a family. 
Having one was the greatest thing I have ever experienced. I love Amy and the boys deeply. When I was with them, I was closer to the man that I want to be than at any point in my life. Something the hardest route or boulder problem hasn't yet given me. I still feel the cold in the center of my chest. Every day I yearn to have my family back, but I also know that whatever happens, my life has changed for the better because of them. I am a better person for having loved them. My name's Bob Grunow, and this is my short. Two times twelve in the lighthouse looks still. Oh, no Bob still lives in Portland, Oregon, where he's launching a pack company called, fittingly enough, Dirtbag Packworks. You can check it out online at dirtbagpackworks.com. Shorts are listener-supported. Each short typically begins as an essay, and it slowly evolves into an audio piece. So if you have a submission, try typing it out. Give me something that I can read, and I promise I will. Send it to dirtbagdiaries at earthlink.net. Music today by Red Room Cinema, E. La Bamba, The Hilo Zoas, and Bob's friend, Portland musician Benjamin Dewey. You can find links to the music on our site, dirtbagdiaries.com. The shorts are made possible with support from Patagonia. I'm Fitzko Hall. Thanks for listening. Reaching for our purpose through the darkness I'm not dark, then at least it's too far to see